right, turn with me over to the book of Genesis. I'm going to do my best to get you out of here on time, but I'm, I'm probably going to disappoint. We are beginning a series on men and women of the Bible. So we're going to look at some of the most iconic figures that help us define what it means to relate to God well and what it means for, for him, meaning God, to deploy us well and use us. Uh, today we're going to look at Adam, created as regent of earth. Adam, created as regent of earth. Genesis 1, 25 through 27, and then 2, 7 through 8, and then 15 through 17, chapter 2. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but, verse 17, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of that tree, from it you, from the, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Lord, help us as we study. Three things on this passage about which I want to speak to you. One, the method by which God chose to, to produce his regent. Uh, two, the model that he became, not talking about a physical model, but the iconic being, how he became that. And then three, the mission that he had. Here we've got God who has created the entire, entire universe. And he made his crowning achievement, Adam. He made his man at the very end. And it kind of is a picture of how God sets the table for all of us in our worlds. And then puts us in it. Now, because we have experienced a whole lot of stuff from Adam, meaning his sin has caused the world to go into turmoil ever since he blew it. It's hard for us to see the perfect will of God in the mess that is the world. But when you love him and you're called according to his purposes, you've given your life to him, he does what he can to help you become what you ought to be. He paves things that would be obstacles, he puts them under. He lowers mountains. He makes crooked places straight. He allows you the privilege of becoming what you never thought you could be. He reforms you to be ready and, and, and able to manage that which he has given you. And nothing here is perfect like it was with Adam when he was in the garden. But we have the power to help make it better. Now, it's not going to be all right until he returns and winds this thing all up because sin is in the world. And it taints us, and it taints everything here. But it doesn't mean we ought to give up and become feudalistic in our mindset simply because we can't make it as good as it ought to be. We can always make it better. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is something that takes bad and makes it better. It brings redemption to things that nobody has given value to at all. It makes things that seem hopeless, hopeful. That's what the kingdom does. It's an order and it represents the, the, the place upon which the monarch of the universe sits. And that monarch 
wants to rule in every place where you are. We're not talking about with a fist of steel whereby he's exerting his authority in such a way that people have to submit to him or die. We're talking about a monarch that wants to rule the hearts. And as a result of ruling hearts, he can change environments. When he changes environments, he changes structures. When he changes structures, he changes nations, cities, organizations. God wants his kingdom to expand like that. I wish Adam hadn't done what he did. I wish he hadn't eaten from the tree. But I can't blame him because I've eaten from the same tree many times. <laughs> we can't all put the blame on Adam because we have, we have exacerbated our problem, have we not? We've made it worse. He, he made it bad. We've made it worse. All of us are messed up. We've all had an opportunity to eat freely from every other tree. Every, good trees, wonderful trees, fruitful trees, bountiful trees. We have had the opportunity to do right. And we've, like Adam and Eve, just decided, let's go hang out at that one. <laughs> you know, that knowledge of good and evil thing, let's hang out. See, you know, it, it's kind of nice looking. And we wind up hanging around, hanging around so much that we died. And we experience all over again the effects of sin. It's not that Adam and Eve didn't understand the difference between good and evil. They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. That was clear. It's just that God never wanted them to experience it. They now knew in a brand new way, oh, this is what it's like to do wrong, evil. So bad was it that their eyesight was completely changed. It says they, they, they saw one another differently and that they realized they were naked. The eyes of both of them, it says, were opened and they began to view one another differently. Sin messes up everything about how you see others and how you see yourself. When somebody sins against you and they hadn't before, you now look at, look at them kind of like this. You don't see them the same way. It messes up your eyes and you don't see yourself the same way when you sin. Thus, you try to cover it up so nobody else can see you like that. You lie. You put on a happy face. You'll even use more religious jargon to make people believe that you're more right. You'll do everything you can to try to cover it up other than going to God and realizing, I'm messed up. I need help. Redeem me. Let me take the redemptive benefit of the cross and apply it to my life. I repent. I'm not going to do this anymore. God, let me now serve you well. That's the thing we do last. We don't run to God. We're like Adam. We got his DNA. We run away. Where are you, Adam? And whenever God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He's really saying, do you know where you are? Where are you? Do you understand what has happened here? It was a bad day. And this is why Paul says, we used to view Christ in a way that was according to the flesh, but we choose not to any longer. For we are now new creations. New creation reality. The old is gone, the new has come. Paul says, I don't let my eyes in the natural determine how I'm going to treat you, how I'm going to look at you. I choose to now look at you like God looks at you as a new creation reality, even though you just blew it big against me. I'm not going to keep you in the jail of your last offense. I'm not going to view you as a sinner anymore. I'm going to view you as the redeemed every day. When we do that, we give hope to others that then kind of reciprocates 
because they understand what it means to be forgiven when they know they didn't deserve it. And now when you blow it, which you will, and probably on them, they want to do the same thing back to you that you did to them. And that's how we grow as family. Adam and Eve blew it, but they had it great. Had it great. I mean, in the beginning, you had, you had God setting this thing up for them, and, 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 and Adam was the, the pinnacle, the crown of his, of his creation. And he was different than the rest of creation. He was made in God's image and in God's likeness. Image kind of means a stamp. It points to the stamp on the inside. That, that his soul was wired differently, constructed differently than the rest of creation. Animals have souls. They do. They can understand things. They can feel things. You can tell, them, tell when they're happy, when they're sad. Their facial expressions, kind of null. They don't smile. Animals, have you noticed that? Animals don't smile. They also don't cry. But they do have feelings and emotions. But they are not constructed like us because, well, we didn't come from them. Now, I'm a biology major. Please don't think that I've committed intellectual suicide to say what I'm about to say. I've studied, and I know what I'm talking about to some degree. Nobody knows all that they're talking about, at least not on this issue, because there are so many mysteries out there about how things were constructed in the universe. We know what was happening if you read your Bible. We know what did happen, but we don't know how. And so the science is trying to figure out the how, and, and, and I'm, I'm all for them figuring out how. Because every time they begin to figure out how, they're informing me about how my Bible is correct. Now, their interpretation of the how that they determined might be very different. In fact, most of the time is because they don't want God a part of the world. They're not interested in submitting to a higher being that requires accountability. Uh-uh. They want to say this thing started by itself, which is arguably a greater miracle. How do things start by themselves from nothing? How does that happen? How does that happen? It's much easier to believe that there was a creator. But the interesting thing is, in Genesis 1, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface, surface of the deep. And then God said, Let there be light. So we have sequentially God creating the heavens and the earth, and then light coming later. Now what I'm about to say you need to dismiss with respect to time, but listen to it with respect to sequence. Because I don't know anything about all the time the, 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 the scientists say needs to elapse in order for us to get here. I don't know. I do know that there's great legitimacy in Scripture when you talk about the days that were created and, and the days were, that were outlined in Genesis chapter 1, that the word day is often used for era, meaning we, when we talk about the day of the Lord, we're not talking about a 24-hour period. We're talking about a time period where he is ruling in an unusual way judging in an unusual way. And so when you look at Genesis, it could be a 24-hour period. I'm not disputing that. But I'm also saying that it also could be an era. So there could be an era in which the heavens and earth were created. And then an era in which he separated the waters from above and the waters below and then created the, the land and then the sun and the moon and the stars. I'm just giving you an idea. I'm not stating fact. Just letting you know that you can expand your idea and not have to judge whether the Bible is true on the basis of time. Because it's not specific with that. That's not the purpose of its writing. But yet we do have sequence. In the beginning, and then light came. Well, they've determined now in science, astronomy and geophysics, all those folks that are trying to figure out exactly what happened, that there was a moment when the universe was created. They call it the Big Bang. There was a moment. 
And then about 350,000, 300,000 years later, light came into being. They've determined that. They can do that by looking at, at the farthest and distant galaxies because the universe is spreading out and they can tell how long ago that galaxy was created by the time that it takes light to get to us. And they've measured different objects so they know how long it takes and the color of the light. They can determine that. Lots of science there that you probably don't need to know, but at least they've come up with some stuff. And you sit there and you say, okay, you say the universe is created and then light came. Huh. Moses wrote Genesis. He didn't have a telescope. How'd he know? How'd he know? Except God told him. Are you listening to me? I love the science community. You helping me. You help me preach. <laughs> the Lord had created all this. Adam and everything else was different he was singular a soul that was so created so structured that God could live in it animals can be manipulated by God but he doesn't live in them their soul is not constructed for him to inhabit and he created him in his likeness meaning that what he did was supposed to be like God in the earth when people saw it they said oh that's how God does what he does He's the best image that we could see in his image and in his likeness. How he did what he did and who he was on the inside. Gentlemen, we are to be in his image and likeness. Amen. We are to be people. Men, I'm talking to men now. This applies to women because when he says Adam, Adam not only means man, but it means mankind. But ladies, we're getting to Eve next week, so I'm going to save you for later, all right? <laughs> men today, we need to be people that are reflecting his image to the world. And we need to have it born on the inside of us so that character is the stuff by which we live, not performance. And our performance is based on our character. If you do not develop your character but only develop your skill set, at some point your character will destroy that which you build. At some point you'll mess up so bad that everybody will discount all you've done. Oh, I live in the environment of preachers who can preach the paint off the walls. Amazing ministers, better than me, stronger than me, more articulate than me. Lay hands on the sick, see folk recover, see the dead raised. Amazing human beings. But they stepped out of their wife, and that's all people remember. They lose everything because their character was flawed, and it could not support that which they built. We reverse it here as best we can. I've never tried to become a good preacher. As evidenced. <laughs> I'm not the best, but I am trying to become a really good liver, a really good Christian. And on the basis of my living, on the basis of me forming the character of God in my life and saying no to a lot that I want to say yes to, it allows me the privilege of having a platform that's credible, not perfect, but consistent. I do more right than I do wrong in terms of Speaking, if you were to superimpose football over my life, I'm 13 and 3 every year. <laughs> they play 16 games. If you're 13 and 3, you go into the playoffs every year. Every year. I'm 13 and 3 every year. Eh, maybe 12 and 4 a couple. <laughs> but I win so often that nobody thinks I'm a loser. Victory is more my 
my practice than the exception. I do mess up. I got four or five a year that I might lose. But I'm still, I'm still in it for the, for the, for the prize. All because of character. This is what Adam had. The construction of soul that was ready and able to receive that which God wanted to impart, which brings me to the second point. <laughs> the model he made this man, this is for us. It says when he, he formed him, from the, when he thought about creating, he formed him from the dust of the earth. doesn't say anything about that with the animals. Now, it does, science says that we, uh, we, we all came from somewhere the same mama. And that it's proven that, that rats have 90, 97% of our DNA. That's why they use them as test animals for medicine, for us. Because they have a lot, they respond the same way we do physically to a lot of stuff. And then they say, well, that means we all came from the same mama at some point. We were all animalian, and, and we become mammalian now, and we're different than them. And, and, and I say, no, 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 no. I, I, I respect your thought process, but you've come to the wrong conclusion. The reason we have 97% of the, the same DNA is because we all came from dirt. We were all made from dirt. The rodents were made from dirt. The cows were made from dirt. The alligators were made. Everything was made from the same dirt. So why would it surprise anybody that we got similar physical characteristics? Eh. But people don't want God. And so they automatically jump to something else. He was, he was handmade by the Lord. And when God saw, finished what he was doing physically, he said this, breathed into him the breath of life. That formation of his image now could contain God himself. It wasn't just physical breath, though that was part of it, because the same word used there in, in the Hebrew is used for how the animals breathe. It wasn't just physical, though it was part. It was also spiritual, because that which God imparted was himself. Himself. He gave Adam life that was different. And gentlemen, God did... God's, God's strategy and plan has not changed since Eden. He's had, he's had to put some new clothes on, on, on it because man just kept messing up. And so he's, he's chosen different ways in which to produce the righteousness that he wanted to in the beginning as best he could. But we were in the way. But his strategy and plan hadn't changed. He's still trying to get us to be what he thought about being when he thought about creating us. So when Jesus shows up on the day of the resurrection and the disciples are in the, a locked room, locked room, because they're afraid that the Jewish leaders are going to come get them like they got Jesus. It says that Jesus just appeared. And the disciples last saw him dead. They did not believe the women who had come to the tomb earlier who said he's alive. And so they still thought he was dead. And there he appears. They thought they were seeing an apparition, a sociological moment where all of them were seeing the same thing at the same time, which just doesn't happen. And they thought their eyes were being blinded or it was a ghost or something. And Jesus, they're so afraid. He says to them, peace, be still, which in our vernacular would be chill. <laughs> it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And then he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And with that, he breathed on them. <sighs> he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? The same thing he did in Genesis. Realizing 
You're now born again. You were born of Adam, and you inherited all of his flaws. Now you're recreated, born all over. And I got the same plan I had with Adam with you. With Adam, it was this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was his mandate. And he had four rivers in Eden from which he could do that. Have a lot of babies, get a lot of people, and then you can use this transportation system, the Gihon, the Pishon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. These four rivers that went to the four corners of the earth, you can use the transportation system to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And there are going to be a lot of people. A lot of people I like. When you don't die, how many babies can you have? With no pain, no morning sickness, and you realize it's God's commission to you, it is, it is what he has blessed. It says he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. This was a blessing to them. How many babies can you have if, you, if you're immortal? And if your children are immortal, how many babies can they have? You can multiply in a hurry. I mean, a big hurry. Now, some of you women are saying, ouch. There was no ouch. It was all blessing. You were, when you got pregnant, you were happier than if you weren't. That would have been the, 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 the surrounding environment around the whole idea of having kids. So they could have had a bunch of kids, but they all couldn't stay in Eden. You wouldn't want them to because God's mandate was to fill the earth. Go out there and do what you're supposed to do. Increase your stewardship by increasing people. And what did Jesus say? Go into all the earth and preach this gospel, making disciples of all nations. Same thing. He hadn't changed his idea yet. So it's important for us to understand we have the same kind of mandate Adam did, men. You're called to be a steward of his stuff. You've got a mission. You're made in his image. People need to see God when they see you. People need to hear God when they hear you. People need to understand God is in you when they experience you. Everything about you, gentlemen, ought to be representative of the kingdom. You are an ambassador. You are a son who's got his last name. He gave you the name Christian so that you might understand what representation feels like and sounds like every day of your life. You ought to consider it a privilege, not a pain, to do the will of God because he has called you and empowered you to, to do so. That's who we are, men. Again, women, next week. That's who we are. And if you're not, if you not, not reaching the bar that I just said, we can help you with your hops. We can disciple you. We can train you. We can, we can assist you in the process of jumping higher. Because God wants you to get there. He, it, it's not there just to tease you. It's there to reach he wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to be what he thought about when he thought about creating you. And we have fallen so far behind, we don't even think we can get there. But I'm telling you, you can. And you do not have to be a full-time minister in order to experience what I'm talking about. In your sphere of influence, God wants to make you great. Yes. Wherever you are, as a father, as a, as a business owner, as an employee, God wants to make you great. And you should not settle for anything less because you've been made in his image. Lastly, he gave him a mission. <laughs> this mission was wonderful. It's real simple. Again, his, his plan hadn't changed. He said, I want you to cultivate the garden. Cultivate. I want you to make sure this garden produces as much as it possibly can. 
And because you are a steward of the earth, the garden won't produce exactly what it should unless you're guiding its pr production. And so he had to work. Work is endemic to mankind. It's just not the kind of work that we're used to that, that w is, is what Adam had. So Adam's work was easy work. It was sitting in a, in a, in a beautiful bed of, of non-thorned roses and looking at, at a tree next to him that was filled with apples and saying, I think I want one. Whew, that was a tough day right there. <laughs> Seeing a, a, a branch that had a tributary little branch coming out of it that wasn't going to be able to bear fruit. And, and if you took it off, it wouldn't suck the resources from the main branch. And the main branch that was producing fruit now would produce more fruit. Okay, I'm done for the day. What do you want to do, dear? It was that kind of work. Easy work. No sweat work. When they fell, he said this, God, now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. And even what you do in produ production will produce for you infinitely less what you just, than what you just had. You'll work harder for half as much. Thorns and thistles will be produced when you had it great there. God is trying to figure out how in the world he can make us like what he thought about when he thought about creating us. Cultivation. And, and, and the way we can superimpose without there being some dichotomy between what Adam had and what we had is that we understand that the kingdom of God has come to us. That's our version of Eden. Yes. Listen to me. That's our ver now, we can't produce Eden here. So people go around looking for it. Yeah, it's not around. It either sunk, died, or, or, or turned into something else. I don't know. There's no Eden on the planet. It doesn't exist. Everything's been tainted by sin. Now, it does say that there was an angel put in charge of this so that nobody could get in, but I think his job was done. I don't think he's still there because <laughs> nobody knew where it was anymore. Simply because it happened once doesn't mean it has to happen all the time. His job is done. Garden, the Garden of Eden, remember, the, the earth split apart. It was one piece of property. There was only one continent when God created all things. And it says in Genesis 10, there was a guy named... Um, uh, Jair, uh, I can't remember. But it says in his generation, that's when the earth divided. And we got our continents. Now, I'm not saying that just from Bible. Science says that too. You learned that in seventh grade in your geology class. So no telling what happened with that then. But I can guarantee you that angel got something else to do now. <laughs> but his job was to cultivate. And with the kingdom, even though we cannot produce Eden on earth, we can produce the kingdom on earth because that was his job. Jesus said, listen, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name of thy kingdom. Come thy will be done. Where? How? So we're supposed to bring the kingdom that is in heaven here. And that's our version of Eden. Now, we'll never be able to get back until Jesus comes back and winds this thing all up and starts over again so that we can have a, 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 a new heaven and a new earth. We won't be able to get back to that. But you can produce a version of Eden called the kingdom in your house. You can produce it in a church. That's our whole job. We're not just about programs. We're about producing the presence of God in the environment of safety that allows you to experience redemption when you need forgiveness. 
and wholeness when you're fractured and strength when you're weak and a bunch of people that you can kind of trust even though they're flawed and somehow or another we make it all work together whereby we can manifest the glory of God to a people out there who know him not. That's what we are to do. That's what kingdom is here. Now you can't do that in your employ. I get it. Don't try. Don't go in with the Bible on Monday saying, my pastor said I need to bring the kingdom to this place. All y'all who not go participate in the Bible study, you're going to hell. You're going to hell, 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 hell. Stop at. Don't be weird. But you can be a really good Christian by not, enjoy, not joining in gossip when others are. Not, not backbiting. Not talking bad about people. Making sure that you've got the kind of strength and character that if somebody else is failing in their employ, that you can go ahead and say, I'll do this for you and give you the credit. You can advance a kingdom like that because people say, after they experience you like that, who are you? Because you don't act like anybody else I know. At some point, they look at you men and say, that's a man. That's a man right there. He does the hard stuff all the time. He sacrifices for the benefit of others. He's never concerned about his own life. That's a man. I don't know what all you other jokers are here, but that's a man. That's who we are to be, cultivating the environments where we can put, put kingdom into practice and see change happen, substantive change happen. Secondly, we're to guard and keep. So, so, so we are to guard this garden and make sure that nothing that, that should get, shouldn't get in gets in and make sure that nothing that should stay in gets out. So we are to, to be guards over everything that God has given us. Your family, your personal life, guard your heart. Guard what you listen to. Guard what you see. You've got to have protective measures around your life because this world is full of junk. And it will infect you. It will, it will, it will sideline you if you allow the stuff that is out there to enter into the gates of your life. And you've got to have centuries not C-E-N-T-U-R-I-E-S, S-E-N-T-R-Y, a sentry over your ears and over your eyes to be able to make sure that your heart is the way it should be, to guard. Thirdly, he was, he was supposed to be a man that was involved in mission, as we said earlier. You got a, you got a task, do it. And every man needs to have a vision. You can't just manage your way through life. You ought to have something that, that gets you up every day beyond just, just earning a salary. Inspires you to make the world a little bit better. You may not be able to do it on a grand scale. Everybody has their own capacity. And you should not compare yourself with anybody else. But you ought to be able to have something that you put your hand to and realize, I made it better. I made it better. Amen. And when you leave, you take no credit because the fingerprints of Christ are on it. Amen. Also, he was supposed to obey. Is supposed to obey. Adam, now there's a tree there. Don't eat from it. In the day you eat from it, you will die. We need to be people who are responsible to our God, men, that say, I am not going to disobey you today. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regard you as Lord. I call you that. Now I'm going to really make you that. Lord of my life, ruler, master, owner, controller, the one who tells you what to do, and you happily do it. Happily. Even though it's painful on your soul, you do it with a smile because you realize this. There are all kinds of versions of hard. 
And it's not easy being a Christian. It's hard. But when you are a Christian and you do the hard thing, it always winds up benefiting you. Now, when you do hard the other way, you got baby mama drama. You do hard in your business and you embezzle funds, you're going to jail. And I had a believer, a person, not a believer, come to me one day and say, this Christian life is just too hard. You know, I just can't live it, Pastor. I don't know. And then I began to sift through his life. I said, well, which version of hard do you want? Because you've been coming to me about all your problems that you lost your job because you couldn't show up on time and you felt you needed some me time. You, 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 you've been, you got three babies from two different women, and they're trying to get all the money from you, and you don't have a job. How hard is that? Please help me. That's hard. My version of hard always winds up a little better when I do it. I get benefits. You get consequences. Pick your heart. Obey. Obey gives you great fruit, gentlemen. It's one of the strengths of your life if you'll do it. Obey what he says. And then lastly, we, we are called to be, I actually forgot my last point. Thank you, placement. That hadn't happened ever. But I'm fasting, that's why. Placement. Gentlemen, you got to be happy about where God's placed you. You are not the determiner of where you be, need to be on the earth. You are not. Neither is the next opportunity that is your job. I've turned down many opportunities where folks were offering me more money and more everything. And with seven kids, you listen. And God said, no, you stay right here. Not only in the city, but in this church. And I'm happy I made that decision. So happy. I made that decision. I made that decision with such strength one time. All the opportunities that came to me, I didn't even entertain. I'm here. And folks stop asking because they realize he ain't coming. Where's God placed you? And it might not be the place that you pr prefer. I mean, your soul might not gravitate toward it. I really like Kansas. Really like Kansas. I grew up in Kansas. Beautiful state. Kansas City, beautiful city. I knew my neighbors growing up. It was great. I came here to Washington, didn't know nobody, and most folks didn't like me when they got to know me. <laughs> Driving was different. People honked at one another. They were fast. It was, it was terrible. We didn't do that in Kansas. Stereotypical, I must admit. Everything I'm saying about Kansas is true. God, would you? No, you're staying here. I didn't like Washington don't like Washington. There's nothing on the inside of me. Naturally, that gravitates to this city. John F. Kennedy said it best. It's a city known for its northern hospitality and its southern efficiency. <laughs> but I've grown in love with it. My soul doesn't like it, but I love it. And God has tied me to this place, and I'll be here till the day I die. And I'm happy to be inconvenienced with his placement. Amen. Happy. Gentlemen, sometimes you've got to turn down really good to get best. And you don't know that it feels like it's best when you're turning down the good. But you need to wait long enough because God placed you in the best. Don't just follow the money. Don't follow the opportunity. Follow God. Amen. It says he put Adam in the garden. And he was there happy. Be happy where God has placed you.